I walk into a room, I, I kick a door in and I take my seat at the table and I do not care who likes it or who doesn't because I know I worked for it. Uh. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. Welcome to the show. If you are new here, welcome. And if you're not new, thanks for coming back and thanks for listening week after week. I'm Jessica, the host of the show, and I'm really excited about today's conversation. I love confident women. Talking with confident women and hearing their stories and hearing their advice makes me feel so filled with joy. It makes my body feel electrified because that's what I want for all of us. I want us to be able to show up for work and walk into those rooms and do all of the things that we want to do while feeling really good about ourselves and showing up as who we are. And today's guest, Trina, really embodies that. She is so confident in who she is. She owns who she is. And she has an incredible incredible career path. Her career and what she does and who she is is so fascinating that I struggled to prioritize what questions I wanted to ask her. But luckily, we were able to cover a lot of topics in this conversation. We talked about having regrets in one's career and what it's like to wind around and not exactly take the perfect job and then find out later that you want to do something else. She talks about her career path. We talk about how to walk into a room with confidence. She gives advice on what to do at work when you don't know the answer. We talk about the struggle of being ourselves as women in the workplace. She talks about how to speak up with power and persuasiveness and confidence. And she talks about not caring what other people think and how to operate as as a leader, and she helps out a listener with a listener question about how to show up with more presence when you're struggling with being very quiet and sitting in the back of the room. So there's a lot in this conversation. It was so much fun to talk with her, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So I'm going to jump right in. Trina is a podcaster just like me, and she has an incredible incredible podcast called Trina Talk, which I will remind you about again at the very end of the interview, and I will also link it in the show notes. So if you like what you hear from her today, be sure to check out her show. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. And with that, let's meet Trina. Hi, Jess. Um, thank you for having me today. So for your listeners, we've already met. So for your listeners, my name is Trina Martin. I am a podcast host as well. I'm also a motivational speaker. My background is I'm a naval officer. I've been in the Navy for almost 30 years now. I spent 20 years in IT as a programmer because that's my profession by trade. I have a degree in computer science, so I did that for 20 years. And I do cyber intel for law enforcement. Won't say any names right now, but... I am so excited to be here. My passion is speaking, and right now I'm working on growing a speaking business where I can speak to women globally. Amazing. And are you doing that while being a naval officer at the same time? 
I am. I'm wearing a lot of hats and I'm very <laughs> busy and very tired at the end of every day. But I keep telling myself that it's going to pay off really soon. Oh, my gosh. You have such a fascinating career. It's going to be hard for me to choose what to focus on. But I guess let's talk maybe a little bit about your first career in IT and then talk about your transition and some of the learnings there. So I usually start by asking the guests what they're focused on in the present, but I might flip it around and ask about your career in IT and kind of what some of your aha moments were or some of your learnings there that you were like, ah, I wish I would have figured this out sooner. That's a lot because I have a lot of those moments. So I got out of college, had this degree in computer science, and at the time it was 1994 when I graduated. So it was just on the cusp of starting the tech boom. And I was so excited because I said, oh, I have this career. I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm going to do all these things, which I did. I made a lot of money. But looking back on that, I did love that career but looking back, I'm kind of thinking now I wish I had have really thought a little deeper and known myself a little better. And instead of following the money, maybe followed my passion a little more. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And actually, like, do you feel, though, that even when we we get on a path and we're like, oh, that's maybe not exactly the perfect path? Like, do you feel like there was a reason behind it or it did ultimately like, do you truly regret it? I don't regret it. And I'm I'm at a point in my life where I've learned that everything, even mistakes, are what you need in your life. They, they get you to the place where you're supposed to be. So I look at that career now as not a mistake and I don't regret it. And I loved it. And I love the skills that I have technically. And I just look at that as a stepping stone to where I am now, because that actually groomed me for a lot. And honestly, and this is funny, and this kind of goes hand in hand with being a officer in the Navy. In IT, and at the time, I was one of very few women who actually had a degree in computer science. And I don't think even now, I don't think they really, I don't think many universities have degrees in computer science as always information management or cybersecurity now, things like that. So I was one of very few women who had a degree in computer science. And one of few women always in the IT field. So when I showed up at meetings or was a programmer, told someone, hey, I'm a programmer, it was like, oh, wow, really? Because there were not a lot of women doing that. Kind of the same thing with being an officer in the Navy. I've gotten almost 30 years in, and a lot of times I find myself being the only female, the highest ranking person and the only female in the room. But then also many times I'm the only person of color. So I think both of those go hand in hand as far as the rooms I've been in. So they've helped me in that aspect. Is there anything that you learned through that experience of being the only woman of color in the room that you would want to share with someone who might be in a similar situation? What I've learned from both of those situations is I don't care that I'm the only woman and I don't care that I'm the only woman of color. I look at both of those careers and I know I worked my butt off and I earned each position that I had in both of those careers. So I walk into a room, I, I kick a door in and I take my seat at the table and I do not care who likes it or who doesn't because I know I worked for it. And what would you say there there are a lot of listeners of this show who are trying to get to that that point of to be able to walk into a room and 
kick down a door and just have a presence and it can be difficult. Is there anything that you would advise to someone who is like this woman? That is my goal. Like I want to be like her. What I would say is have confidence in yourself. You know what you know. You know, all right, I know X, Y, Z, and I know it better than anyone else. And you know the things you don't know, but the things you do know, stand tall, stick your chest out, and take your seat. Take your seat at the table and sit down, speak up when you can if it's something you know. And if it doesn't, don't be ashamed to say, you know what, I don't know that. And keep moving on because you're not the only person in the room who doesn't know that. People act like they know and they may look at you like, oh my God, you don't know that. But believe me, you're not the only person in the room who didn't know what was asked. It's always the most confident people that ask those questions and say, I don't know what's going on. It's the most confident person that says that. Oh, yes. I've learned now if someone asks me something and I don't know, I just say, I don't know. Because I'd rather say that than try to make up an answer and then they later find out. She didn't know what the hell she was talking about. She just gave me some bogus answer. So I think you just saying, I don't know, actually gives people, it gives them a level of respect for you because a lot of people are afraid to say they don't know because they don't want to seem like they're stupid, but you cannot know everything in the world. And some things are just not your wheelhouse and it's just not what you know. I I can tell someone, well, you know what? I can find that out for you if you want me to. Or I can ask someone who may know, I may know this person who can give me an answer. If that is that what you would like me to do? And a lot of times they may say, oh, no, that's okay. I just wondered if you knew that. So don't be afraid to say you don't know. And that's such good advice to say, you know, maybe I can figure out the answer. Because I think sometimes the fear of not knowing can be paralyzing. And you get asked a question, you're like, oh, no, I don't know. But once you realize that it's okay and that you can also use your not knowing to be like, hmm, what might the next step be? That kind of changes the way it feels. And it's like, okay, I don't have to know right this second, but maybe I'm going to know after I figure out how to go find the answer. Absolutely. And a lot of times you saying you don't know. You are learning something because maybe you do go back and research, even if that person says, oh, no, that's okay." For me, I will go and try to find the answer anyway, because I just can't let it go that someone asked me something I didn't know the answer to. So I learned from that. I I educate myself and I go, "Okay, well, this is what that person was asking me. So now I know for next time. So it's, it's not anything to be ashamed of. That's so helpful. I love that. And I think it's a a really common struggle. And I want to go back and ask you about your decision to join the Navy. What made you decide to do that? Okay, so that's a long story. So (laughs) (laughs) I was, to give you the background, I was the first person in my immediate family to go to college. So my mother was single at the time. I was the youngest of four. And I have the largest gap in between me and my siblings. So I was the first person to go to college. My mother couldn't afford it, so I had to self-finance my education. So I did a year of college and found out that I needed money and student loans and things like that weren't going to cover it. So I decided to join the Army to get the educational benefits. Well, when I joined the Army at that time, it was 1990, Desert Storm was going on, all of these things. My job in the Army actually was um, a chemical specialist, which is now they call it CBURN. So it's nuclear biological warfare. I didn't know that at the time because I was a young, dumb 19-year-old who the recruiter said, oh, 
yeah, there was this great big bonus with this job and here you go. And I said, oh, wow. I said, chemicals. Is that like being a chemist? Will I be in a lab and have a white coat? And he said, oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly <laughs> what that is. So I said, oh, okay. Needless to say, once I went through training and had to live in um, mop gear, which is the gas mask and the suit, and I had to go through nerve agent training and all these things, and not to mention Desert Storm was going on, and they said, oh, guess what? You're going to war, too. I said, hmm, this is not exactly what I thought I was signing up for. So fast forward, I did three years in the Army, and then I transferred to the Navy. And from there, I knew... I wanted more because I, I did 14 years enlisted before I got my commission as an officer. So while I was enlisted, I knew I wanted more, which was to become an officer. So hence my journey began, began to um, work and become an officer in the Navy. Was your IT career an entirely separate thing or did you do that before? How did how was that all sequenced? Well, it's, I started college, took some time off to do the the, the army came back to college and started doing the reserve so kind of it was doing hand in hand and it's funny because when I got into the navy I ultimately my IT experience as far as college played over into the navy because that's what I did for the navy for a while is working to IT before I actually got my commission so it all it, it was a stepping stone and going back to the question you asked me in the beginning about regrets that's why I don't have a regret because everything kind of was a stepping stone for the next thing. Uh, I'm so excited to chat more about what you've learned being in the Navy about leadership and confidence. But before I do, I have to ask you the question that I've been asking all of my guests about what that thing is that they're working on now. So what's your current area of focus where you're either trying to grow or evolve or develop? My current focus now is growing my speaking business. So as I said earlier, I am a motivational speaker, which is my passion, something that I've been wanting to do for over 20 years. And I've decided about a year ago, I decided, you know what, this is what I want to do. So I am working on growing a speaking business so that one day I can quit my real nine to five and just go full out for me. Do you have any quick tips on how to speak in a way that, you know, encourages people to listen, but also in a way that feels authentic. That's such an important thing, I feel like, in our jobs. Just be you. There's nothing more authentic than you being yourself. Don't try to compare yourself to anyone. And and we all do it in a, in certain ways, right? We all say, well, there's that great podcaster XYZ. I want to be like that person. And it's funny because Oprah tells a story how when she first got into journalism, She wanted to be Barbara Walters. And she tells the story about how she tried to speak like Barbara Walters and all of these things. And finally, she said it got exhausting. And she said, you know, I can't be Barbara Walters. I'm just going to be Oprah Winfrey. And that's how. Well, we see how that turned out. So just be yourself. Don't compare yourself to anyone. Don't try to be anyone else. Just be yourself because you never know the lives you're impacting and where your true self would take you. And I don't know if you've gone through this, Jess, but when I first started podcasting, I I didn't like my voice. I was going, oh my God, I sound crazy. I sound strange. You go through all of these things and I had people come back and go, oh my God, you sound great. And I go, oh, I do? Yeah, you sound great. And So I think if you just be yourself, you are more relatable. People love that authenticity. If you stumble over a word or two, don't worry about it. Just 
Just be you. Just do you. I think that's such good advice. I think as women, it can be hard like, to just be ourselves because I think we get all these messages throughout our lives from everywhere about how we're supposed to look, sound, act, feel, be. And so I think as a result, being authentic is so much more complicated than I feel like we might expect it to be. And so I think it's actually normal even once a person can really internalize, oh, like I just want to be who I am. I think there's a whole other journey that follows that, which is really allowing ourselves to discover what does my voice sound like? How do I show up? You know, who is me and and who am I in my life and professionally? I totally agree. That's all. And it takes some time. It takes a minute for you to get to that point in your life where you're just going, I'm who I am and I'm happy. It's funny because I'm 47. I'll be 48 in a couple of months. But it wasn't until I was 40 that I hit that place where I was happy to be Trina. I was happy in my own skin. I felt that I knew me. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I didn't want. I started being true to myself. And honestly, I stopped caring about what other people thought and what they wanted because all my life I've been a a people pleaser. So I've always wanted people to like me. I wanted to be the person who had the friends that liked them. I wanted to find the men who liked me and loved me. So at 40, something just came over me. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, eh, I don't care. This is what I do to make me happy and what I want to have peace in my life. And it takes a minute. But I think once you get to that place, then you can find your authentic self. I'm so excited for my 40s because when I turned 30, something definitely like clicked. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. What's the next one going to be like? What's 40 going to feel like? And that makes me even more excited. (laughs) 40 is fabulous. Honestly, I'm waiting for 50. So I got two more years before I hit 50. And I'm I'm so looking forward to it because I think my life began at 40, honestly, because when you're in your 20s, you're still kind of dumb. You're searching. You're trying to figure out what's going on in your 30s. You're not quite 20, but you're you're still in that kind of in-between spot. And I think 40 is when you kind of hit that sweet spot where you're going, okay, this is what life is about. This is who I am. And you're just happy. That's. I think that's so encouraging because I think it's really easy to feel stressed like, oh, my life isn't how I want it or my career path isn't in the direction I want. And just to know, you know, if someone who's listening, regardless of your age, like we have time and there's so much more ahead. And I think sometimes we really forget that things can evolve. And just because things aren't the way we want it right now or things are hard or difficult or just not as we expected, there's so much time ahead and there's so much growth that we we can't even fathom it from where we're sitting. Oh, yes. And, and I grow every day as well. So it, you don't get to a place where you stop. And if you do, something's wrong. But you get to a place where you're more confident in that and, and learning that and knowing that you don't have all the answers. And that's okay. So yeah, look forward to your 40s, honey. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. Yeah, I have a little bit of ways to go, but I felt a really big change like on my 30th birthday. It just, it was a really big shift. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's another one coming. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and I'm going to transition now into talking a little bit about leadership and confidence and what it means to show up as a leader, but also as ourselves. And so before we get into that, 
what even is your definition of leadership? Like when I say leadership, what does that even mean to you? Being a leader. So I take leadership very seriously, probably unlike a lot of other people. But leadership to me is the ability to guide, influence, and empower other people. So a lot of people put leadership and management in the same box, and they're not the same thing. Uh, Management is the person is more concerned with the bottom line. So how many widgets did we make today? How much money did we earn today? Whereas I look at leadership is you're concerned about those things and the task at hand, the mission as well. But you know that without your people and taking care of those people that you can't accomplish those things that you need to accomplish. So leadership for me is something different because if you have those things and leadership, you will have people that will follow you and and do their 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 job for you and they will be happy to do that because you are a person who cares about them and not just the bottom line. I think that's so important and one thing I'm so excited to get your thoughts on is how someone can be a leader if they don't if they're if they hear this and they're thinking, "Well, I don't have a team. I'm not in a leadership role, so this doesn't apply to me." I sort of want to hear, I can can see your facial expression already, but I kind of want to hear how you would react to that line of thinking. I would tell that person that they don't have to be in a quote unquote leadership position. They're a leader regardless, because no matter what you're doing, just think of it this way. Someone is always looking at you or looking to you. So how you present yourself, how you show up, how you do your job, you may not be a leader, but just say how you do your your job as the male person. Are you the best male person? Are you putting your best foot forward? Are you saying, you know what, this is a reflection of me. So I want to be the best male person that I want to be. And I think those things show leadership. And you don't necessarily have to have the title to be a leader. And it's funny because I tell my children this all the time who are teenagers. I say, you know, you're you're a leader. You're not a follower. And, of course, they don't have a job. They don't have any position. But I'm trying to instill in them that when you're among your peers, you don't have to follow the crowd. You can think for yourself. You can get out there and, and be strong and say, you know what? No, I know that's not right. So instead of going left, I'm going to go right. So the same thing for an adult who thinks they're not in a leadership position, but you are in the way you present yourself and show up shows that you're a leader. Yeah. And I think there's a mindset shift too. And I remember experiencing this and also struggling with this when I was starting out my career of like, just thinking that I was there to react and that my job was just like, someone asked me to do something, I do it. Someone asked me, I do it. And it was like I had to kind of sort of change how I saw everything and really understand that like, oh, what I think matters. And so if I have a thought or if I have an idea, I can share it. And it was also challenging for me to share it and to develop a voice. But I think that it's it's both seeing yourself as a change agent and as someone whose opinion matters. And then also building the courage to share that, you know, and not just keep it inside. Because I think as women, a lot of our brilliance isn't always shared. It can stay inside of us. And it it requires bravery to step out and say, oh, I, I see a better way we could do this. Or, you know, I have a question about this. Or, you know, maybe we should try this. Exactly. And just like we were saying earlier, there's there's no shame in that. 
If you have a better way to do something, convey that. Because a lot of people are afraid to speak up and a lot of people may not agree with something, but because they're afraid to speak up or they may say, well, I'm not the boss, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to go go with the status quo. And eh, that's not always good. Now, will your advice or your suggestion be taken into account? Maybe, maybe not. But if you speak up and say, well, you know what? I think I have a better way to do that. Or that doesn't ex- exactly sound like it really makes sense. But if we do this instead of that, maybe we'll get a better result. I think that makes people take notice. And like I said, maybe the person, maybe your boss may say, well, I don't care. I'm doing it this way. Okay, well, that's fine. But at least you were able to put out there and voice what you had on your mind. And later on, maybe that same boss may come to you and say, well, you know what? Jess, what do you think about this? Give me your thoughts on this. So you never know how it's going to play out for you. But I think in the end, if people know that at least you have the courage to speak up and speak out, I think they'll never forget that. Oh, it's so true. I think it shows that you're really thinking about things and that you really care. And I also think it can make your job a lot more enjoyable because suddenly you're engaging at a different level and you're thinking not just about the thing that's immediately in front of you, but you're thinking more broadly. And I know for me, that's way more fun and way more interesting. And so even though it does feel scary, I think it's an important step for anyone who's wanting to develop themselves and build their careers and evolve. And I want to ask you a little bit about what you look for, what traits you see in people that you're working with or around you where you look at them and then you're like, yes, like that person is going to go far. Like, are there things that you have picked up on or notice in people that really kind of make you keep your eye on them? And you're like, yeah, in five years, like they're going to be moving up and up. My big thing is compassion. So I always take note of how people treat other people, mainly how people who treat other people who think that they, the, uh, that person can't do anything for them. I think that says a lot. And, and it could be, and it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that you work with. It could be the custodian staff. How do you treat someone else? Are you treating that other person like they're a human being or are you treating them like they're beneath you? Hmm. And I think that's very important, especially in leadership, because I I don't know about you, but I've had probably more bosses and supervisors that were not good than I've had the good ones. So the good ones I can count on one hand, the not so good ones are infinite. And I think it boils down to just compassion. How do you treat people? So when I see that people know how to talk to people, they know how to deal with people, and sometimes you have a difficult person or maybe a person who wants to be rogue and do things their way. But how do you handle that person? If you know how to talk to that person and maybe steer that person in, calm them down or reel them in and say, okay, you know, no, this is how we're going to do things. Let's do it this way. Yes. I think compassion, just being able to, to relate and reach other people. I think that above everything else will set a person apart from the rest. I agree. And that point you made about, you know, when people around you are not the easiest to work with or difficult. So a lot of the listener questions on the show, I probably at least half of them relate to some kind of difficult manager or difficult person. How do I deal with this? And I think like this is a place where compassion 
can be used maybe in, an, in a little bit of an unexpected way. Because I do think, you know, when working with difficult people, it's just very easy to stay in the frustration and in the kind of the negative feeling of like, oh, like, why are they like this? This is so annoying. But I think the ability to move a little bit up from that and say like, all right, so first of all, like this is a human being. I don't exactly know what's going on with them. There's so much of them that I don't know about. And also like, this isn't about my frustration, but this is about what has to get done. How can I how can I move above a little bit to push this forward? And I think that that thing, that piece that you mentioned is so important. Oh, yes, absolutely. And ultimately, that's what it's all about is you want that person to do what you need them to do, right? So you want to, you know, appeal to them. And I'm not saying placate them, but you want to know how to deal with them in a way where they do, because they're going to be difficult people. Everything is not going to be rosy, but you want to be able to touch them in a way where they go, okay, I'm going to do what you need me to do and we can move on from that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it gets easier the more times you do it. But I also always have sympathy and empathy for people who, you know, are dealing with someone difficult because I know it can be tough, but I think that that's such a helpful way to look at it. And I want to ask you a little bit about strengths before we go into the listener question and specifically what you think some of the unique strengths and gifts that women bring to the table when it comes to the professional world and leadership. I'm so curious to hear your opinion. I think women innately, I think, are resourceful. Just look at look at yourself. Look at your mom. Look at, you know, mothers out there. Single, I'm a single mother. I will do whatever I have to do to make stuff happen. So I think women, they just have that innate ability to know that this is what needs to be done and how am I going to do it? Um, and I believe there was a comedian, I think it was Wanda Sykes, who I was watching one of her um, stand up and she was laughing and she was talking about um, bombs or something. And she's like, well, you know, if it was a woman president, we would have been able and we wouldn't have paid you know, $3 trillion for bombs, we would have got those bombs on sale at Walmart or something. We would have been able to find a way to get. So <laughs> it's it's like that. I think women know how to get things done. And I think we're so resourceful and we're so creative that that's something that men don't have, that women do. And I just think we need to apply it more and just put it in the business world and we'll be on fire. I love that. And now maybe I'm going to tap on the motivational speaker side of you a little bit. But is there anything you could share with people listening on how they can get in touch with their unique strengths and the things about them that they're uniquely good at? What I would suggest, and this is something that I have done, and I like to give people things that are practical that I've done. I'm, I'm not a speaker that goes, oh, I read this book and I heard this person, so I'm going to tell you, you know, 10 ways to get rich quick. No, that's not what I do. But sometimes you take a beating in life and you go through some very bad places. But what I would challenge the listeners and suggest that they do is just sit back, get quiet, get still and think about the things that you really like to do. Maybe make a list and say, you know what, I'm really good at this. I'm really not so good at this. And this is something that I hate to do. And I think that's where you find out what your strengths are. And I think at that point, you may even find out that, you know what, that's my passion. I really like doing this, 
but I'm stuck here in this middle area because it pays the bills. But I really like this here because this is my strength and this is something that I will do regardless of whether I'm getting paid for it or not. This is something that makes me happy and brings me joy. I think everyone needs to sit down and do that. And once you do, I think your life will turn for the better. And I and I just think we as a society in America, I don't think we do that because we're all about making the money, right? We want to go to the prestigious college or we want to get the degree. We want to get the great job. We want to get the house, the car, the 2.5 kids, the dog, whatever. And I don't think we actually sit down and say, you know what? I really, I'm good at painting. You know, maybe I want to be a painter instead of being a attorney. But we look at, you know, people say, well, attorney is prestigious. If you just say you're a house painter, and eh, not so much. But house painters make good money. They're a good job. Who doesn't need a house painter, right? And if that's what you love to do, then do it. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about the relationship between strength and joy. And I think everyone has their own opinion on strengths versus being happy and all this stuff. But I think that I think that there's an intersection between joyful activities and where we're strong because I think joy gives us like this fuel that is like supercharged that we can't get anywhere else. And that fuel and that excitement and energy pushes us forward. And so I think that that's so helpful is to look at like, what feels good. And I know like I kind of used to think like, oh, well, if it feels good, then like it can't be a thing that I can bring at work because like that's not how it works. And it took me a while to see like that. No, like the things that you love and that make you happy, you can find ways that those come into place career wise, like you're saying, and make it all fit together. You just have to be really open minded. Mm -hmm. True. I love that so much. And um, before I get into the listener question, can you tell people a little bit about where they can find you and about your show? Okay, so I have a podcast as well. It's called Trina Talk, and it's on Apple Podcasts, Google, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And it is a weekly podcast where I motivate and inspire women, but anyone can listen to it. I have male listeners as well. And it's just very uplifting, very encouraging, whatever stage you are in life and whatever next level you're trying to achieve, this would help you. And as far as speaking, my website is trinamartin.com if you want to book me for an event and you can connect with me through Facebook or LinkedIn. With that, if you're ready for it, I'm going to go into the listener question. So I'm going to read the question and then I'm going to give you the floor to chat with the listener. So the listener says, I've gotten stuck in a pattern of quote unquote hanging out in the back at work i.e. sitting in the back of a meeting room, not participating, and generally being unsure of when I could contribute or of when I should contribute and whether I'm supposed to be talking, whether what I'm saying is good enough. Do you have any advice for breaking out of this cycle? I'm usually outgoing and talkative in my regular life, but at work, I really struggle. Sincerely, searching for confidence. Okay, searching for confidence. This is my suggestion to you. One, Get out of the back of the room. I know we do it. I know that's comfort to blend in where no one can see you. Stop it. Stop standing along the wall. Take a seat at the table. And you don't have to speak on everything. But if there's something that's being said and you can add value, speak up. Say it. 
Now, don't be one of those people who, and we've all seen them, that you're in a meeting and just because they have the floor, they talk about any and everything. And, and you're going, okay, you're just prolonging this meeting. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't need to be that person. But if there's something that's being said and you know, you add value, you're confident because you know, within yourself, you're going, you know what? I know the answer to that, or I would do it this way. Speak up. What's going to happen? Uh, I mean, they're not going to fire you and they're not going to make you leave the meeting. So speak up. And like I said earlier, you know, maybe it'd be something that will be taken under consideration. Maybe it won't, but that should not negate you from adding the value. Everybody appreciates adding the value. And a lot of times you'll find out that you're saying something that someone else didn't know or asking a question that maybe someone else had that same question, but they're feeling like you that they don't want to ask because they don't want to feel stupid or they're thinking, oh, I probably should know that. Uh, well, whether you should or you shouldn't know, ask the question. That's really good advice. Kind of like what we were saying earlier about it's like always the confident people that ask the quote unquote stupid questions, right? Because mm -hmm. they don't care. Yeah, nobody cares. I mean, they're not going to fire you. They're not going to say, well, that was a stupid question and leave the meeting. No, they're not going to do it because they have you in this meeting. But if you know you can add value, absolutely speak your mind. Thank you so much. And that transitions really well into the first of the closing questions, because the first is about the title of the show, which is The Art of Speaking Up. And I love to ask every guest to share what speaking up means to them and why they think it's important. Ooh, that's a good question. I feel that speaking up is just that saying if you have something of value that you want to say or if it means that you're you're speaking out on the opposing side, you have to stand for something. You have to believe in something. So if something is going on or being said that you disagree with or that you can add value or that you can say that's not the most effective way we can do that, speak up. Because you know what? When you don't, you're going to kick yourself all the time when you walk away and say, you know what? I should have said this. I should have said that. I knew better, but I didn't do better. And, and we have that conflict with, our, you know, with ourselves, right? So speaking up is just that. Say what's on your mind. What's, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, you, we all worry about, well, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? What are they going to do? Nothing's going to happen. So if you're confident and you know you add value or you have a point of view that you feel is pertinent and you want to put out there, go ahead, be confident and do that. Uh, that reminded me of times when like I was really struggling to speak up and I would have a thing that I wanted to say. I'd be like, OK, like, Jess, you have to say it, say it. Come on, say it. And then like I'd, I'd finally say it. And then like like nothing would happen. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, nothing happened. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. I mean, what are they going to do? Seriously, it, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, usually only good things can happen. Either nothing or really good things. And who cares right. about nothing? <laughs> exactly. Who cares? I mean, if they look at you side eye and go eh, whatever and keep going, you go, OK, whatever. And you move on. But it's not the end of the world. I love that so much. And that brings me to the closing question. And some context for this question is I started the show. The inspiration was kind of some of my early career struggles where I didn't have a mentor. Um, I was very alone. Podcasts weren't really a thing back in that time. And I really just needed someone to tell me everything was going to be okay and to help me find empowerment in myself. And so 
I like to give this question, this space to the guest to share whatever they would want to share with listeners to either either help them if they're going through something tough or just make them feel positive and empowered. Well, me being a motivational speaker, one of my favorite quotes that I always leave people with and I kind of tell myself is by Nelson Mandela and it his quote is, it always seems impossible until it's done. And you can put that in context with anything. And that's what I tell myself and that's what I tell everyone else. Whatever your it is, yes, it seems scary. It seems impossible, but you have to do it. You have to do it, whether it's speaking up, whether it's changing careers, whether it's whatever, you know what that it is. Until you do it, you're going to be scared. So just do it. Whatever whatever it entails, whether it entails learning more, reading a book, going to a conference, asking someone, do it. We just said there's nothing going to happen if you do it. The world is not going to end. War is not going to break out. No one's going to get pregnant. Just do it. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you so much, Trina. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my conversation with Trina. I had so much fun talking with her, and I hope that you equally enjoyed listening. If you want your question to be answered on the show, please reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is The Art of Speaking Up. And check out Trina's podcast. It is called Trina Talk, and I will put it in the show notes so you can check it out. Trina shares wisdom that she's gained from her experience and mistakes that she's made along the way to encourage listeners of the show to strive for the next level in their lives. She also interviews brilliant people who have leveled up in their lives and will inspire you to do the same. And I know so many people who listen to my show are interested in personal development and leveling up. So definitely check out her show and thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you so much. I really hope that wherever you are in life, in your day, in your week, in this moment, I hope that things are good. I hope that you're doing well, feeling good and empowered. And as always, I'm very excited to talk with you once again in next week's episode. So have an incredible day and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.